0: Welcome to a new episode of Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos. In this podcast, we talk with Latinos working in the tech industry and share tools on how to take your career to the next level. If you're watching the video version of this episode, remember to like the video and subscribe to our channel. If you're listening to the audio version, you can give us five stars on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Feedback is always welcome, so you can write to us at hello at com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Luis, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it, my friend.
1: Thank you, Hugo. Just as we did last time, I'm just thankful for the invitation. Happy to contribute with your community as well.
0: And congratulations on the little one. That's amazing. So happy for your family.
1: Thank you. Yeah, big update. I'm a three-month-old dad at this point, and yeah, feeling, I think at this point, I'm already at it being second nature. The rough part of the learning curve, I think, is over, I will say.
0: I'm glad we're recording this. We'll play this back when he's two. Exactly. (laughs) And and then when he's 16, and then when he's 21, we'll play this back to you. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure there are
1: just a bunch of gotchas on the way.
0: So... Are you going to go with teaching them JavaScript first or Python? Where are you going to go?
1: Interesting question. Did start in college with Java, so I think that it's a good way to maybe a bit outdated. But yeah, I like a strongly typed language, a good way to learn fundamentals of computer science.
0: <laughs> yeah, at some point when they're asking you for for video games, no, let me just show you how you, cou- you can code your own.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: I love this, I love this. So Luis, an icebreaker, if you could ask something to everybody in the world, one question and they will answer you truthfully and you get to ask this question to everybody in the world, what would you ask them?
1: I guess I do enjoy connecting authentically with people, and I feel that not always you find that a person is in the right environment or settings to be their authentic selves. So I think that learning what does an environment have to have for you to feel at your most authentic, what makes being your most authentic skin would be, I think, a cool thing to know about people. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. you made me think on my feet. I think that one is a good one for the time.
0: Definitely. Yeah. and especially now working remote and with all the changes in the economy and all the ups and downs that we're experiencing, uh, I think it's important as people are switching jobs, switching careers is where are you comfortable? Where are you actually your, your full self? For sure. Yeah. So speaking of being your full self, tell me a bit about yourself. And we're both Venezuelan, you're my friend, we know each other. But tell me a bit about yourself and how do you get to the U.S.?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, also born and raised in Venezuela. I moved halfway through high school to the U.S. due to my dad's job. Long story short, I ended up going to college in Austin, Texas, which was an incredible experience. And yeah, from, exactly, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you haven't there, the hook and horns. And from then on, yeah, I've been exploring different cities throughout, throughout, and thanks to my career. So, lived in the Midwest for a while, did the West Coast, now in the East Coast. But yeah, I've lived almost all my adult life, or actually all my adult life here in the U.S.
0: Gotcha. And how do you make this transition into tech? Like, how do you put your foot in the door? Because I know that because you're at Google now, but I'm curious on, you didn't start at Google. You had uh, some stepping stones to get there. So I'm curious on how do you get your first job in tech?
1: For sure. I actually think it was a combination of, so let me take a step back. I was in college. I was majoring in economics at the time. And it was around my third year that I realized I'm not going to be happy dedicating my time in this space. It was just a realization that I had. And as a result, I wanted to begin exploring other things that I could do. At the time, I had a cousin who worked at Google. And I also had one of my best friends who was studying computer science. So this he was a contemporary with me. And through the advice and the guidance, I would say, of both of them, I decided I wanted to take the step of at least taking the first intro to programming course in school. And that's how the journey started. I ended up loving it, and I decided to do a double major with computer science. And my first job actually wasn't in the tech industry. I landed in a financial research company based in Chicago, While I was already in the technology org of that company, the bread and butter of that company wasn't tech. So I don't think that I had experienced yet the environment of a typical tech company at that point. And funny enough, yes, someone reached out from Microsoft at the time through LinkedIn. It was just a tech recruiter that was looking for anyone who was up for interviewing. I had already, by pure coincidence, one of my best friends from college who was living in Seattle and working for Microsoft. So I thought Seattle seems far. I i am not sure if I would love the weather, The how far away it is from my family at the time lived in Texas. So it was a bit of a risky move just to even think about it. But I went through the interview rounds and once I got the job, I think that the Acceleration and the excitement of getting to to work in Microsoft and see how the big tech looks like from the inside was enough for me to go ahead and give it a shot. And I guess to answer your question, how did I land in Google? It was after Microsoft. I did. I spent three years over there, and yeah, again, funny enough, another recruiter through LinkedIn. I saw that there was an opportunity for interviewing. At the time, I. Was actually looking to do a completely different move in my life. I was planning to move across the world for different reasons, and this job came along. And yeah, it was one of those things that it's super hard, if not impossible, to say no to. It was. I was excited about the prospect of working at Google, and yeah, it's uh, it's been super worth it for sure. How long have you been at Google now? Three and a half years. I started. I want to say I started on the 24th of February of 2020. And I remember that because I was only for three days in the office before the global pandemic was declared. And so it was a very odd way to start a job, but but yeah, three and a half years now.
0: So uh, at the time you, you were in Seattle during the pandemic.
1: Yes, yes. Sir.
0: And when did this transition to Miami happen? How do you make that decision of, hey, I'm working remote and there's no sense in paying this Seattle rent if I can work from anywhere. Like how did that transition go in your mind?
1: On that, I will say Miami rent doesn't have a lot to envy from Seattle rent, but I hear you. (laughs) Thank you. people. Yes. But I, at that time, Google had already offered hybrid work modes. They even had Offered the option to do fully remote or fully back in the office. They offered like four or five approaches at how you could do continue to do your job. And really, the detonator for me and my wife to move to Florida was that we got pregnant, and we have a lot of family here. So just at our per- in our personal lives, it just made plain sense for us to get close, move closer to family. We were going to have a better ecosystem to raise a baby here than by ourselves in Washington State. But yeah, I spent uh, six years uh, in Seattle, and I think it was a great mark. It left a great mark in my life. I grew a lot professionally and personally, and so it naturally, there was a bit of melancholy, not melancholy, but like nostalgia as I was uh, leaving. Yeah, but I have to say, I'm a very happy Floridi- Floridian right now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the Miami rent may be as expensive as Seattle, but
1: hey, at least you got the sunshine. Exactly. Yeah, the weather and uh, I would say also the ocean, like just going to the beaches. Yes, it has no comparison. And family, we do. Yeah, I don't want to under mention how valuable it's for my oh, wife course. and I to be able to spend like every weekend with our cousins, just friends from that we hadn't seen in a long time. It's definitely been one of the best decisions we've made together.
0: Yeah, because it's a multidimensional decision, of course, and you, know, you have these ten different factors, and the weather is
1: only one of them. An uh, important one, an important, an important one, one, but just one.
0: one. Exactly. So, yeah, yes. at the end of the day, you have to do what makes sense for whichever season of life you're at.
1: Yes, sure.
0: If I was a recent college grad that's single, sure, moving to Silicon Valley or Seattle or New York makes makes sense. Like, I'm 37 now and I kind of like my space and I I like having a garden and growing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, so yeah, so it depends. What do you value at different points of, of your life?
1: For sure. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So what do you do at Google now? So I actually haven't switched teams since I arrived. I I had the luck of landing in a team that I was super excited from the beginning, and it's been incredible to continue to be in all this time. And so I work in an organization called People and Sharing. And long story short, we dedicate ourselves to facilitating experiences that have to do with how two Google accounts connect. So we provide these basically out-of-the-box, experience not out-of-the-box, but we provide reusable experiences across the three platforms, Android, iOS, and web, that have to do with these sharing flows. So account A wants to send a photo through Google Photos or wants to share their location through Maps or compose an email to someone in Gmail. So those sharing flows is what we basically create and even personalize depending on client requests. And we then, as a standalone org, we're a standalone pr- library. We integrate these with our first party clients, which are all of the ones I just mentioned. Yeah, it's um, um from the beginning, I was excited because I was going to be in the working in the iOS platform. And in relation to what I had been doing previously, it was a much more relevant and attractive space for me. I think that if you're in tech... There, there's not much that compares to being able to show off your work in your being able to show your friends what you've been doing. That's super cool. <laughs> and yeah, it's been a great team to be in. People are the, like the people. I think that's a cliche. Everyone always says that the people are great, but people are great. So I'm happy where I am. It's an important factor. It's an important factor. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a
0: Sam Altman that said that he loved asking people at his startups. No, hey, if you could improve anything, what would you improve? And a lot of times, young engineers, they would say, I wish the food at the cafeteria was better. And some Altman would say that he loved that answer because that way he knows that. Oh, yeah, then everything's well. Nothing important needs to be (laughs) taken care of right now. But but if people tell you that, hey, listen, like there's a lot of micromanaging, there's a lot of old processes, there's a lot of it. Okay, then we need to tackle those things. We need to. But if people are saying that, yeah, I love the free breakfast and free lunch. I wish they offer free dinner. Okay.
1: Yeah, Yeah, nothing. Yeah. All, All is good. All is good.
0: Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about day to day, because... I think that it's one of these places where no job is the same, but I'm curious if you have a structure to your day, to your week, what, how do you spend your time at your job?
1: I think that this is also a multi-dimension question for me in particular, because one, I'm working fully remote and two, I'm working in a different time zone than my, where my team is located. So I could answer that a couple of different ways. But I would say generally speaking, our team has a very organized meeting structure. So it's very predictable. And yeah, we basically have chunks of times that are meant to for collaborating. And from then on there's time for also pushing by yourself, maybe coming up with a new prototype of something that you're you know, planning on doing or proposing to the team, designing new feature works, meetings for analyzing metrics, understanding how something is performing once that you are in the process of launching. So yeah, we have all of these sort of structured spaces where we meet and go through our rounds of collaboration. And uh, yeah, and from then on, it's just time to, for you to use on your own. Got it
0: so that brings me to the main subject i want to tackle this idea of work-life balance and it sounds like it's a very structured very i would say predictable in a way environment so i'm curious on how do you envision work-life balance or what do you think do you think because in tech we have this idea that okay push hard and we have to ship so I'm curious on what's your take on work life balance and as a subject.
1: I so speaking from where I'm standing right now which is as the father of a 3 month old baby. Yes. I am very thankful for Not only the culture at Google, where it's very work-life balance oriented, very much oriented towards respecting your boundaries, respecting your priorities, aligning with whatever your life looks like at the time. I think that my team has been a great reflection of that philosophy. I think that I find a lot of value in being able to do my job and be good at it while still being able to, say, have Lunch here in the dining room with my wife, and right after lunch, maybe I can even have some time to feed a bottle to my baby and then continuing on with work. I am super grateful to know that I am not missing many moments of my kid's life. And I don't know what the future will bring, I don't know if that will be the case throughout his life, hopefully. But right now I I am very happy with how present I've been able to be for my son and for my family.
0: Do you foresee any push of return to the office or going hybrid? Basically, I guess my question is, how do you know your job's gonna stay remote? Are you counting on that? Are you planning for a contingency in
1: case that happens? That's a very good question. I, of course, cannot, I don't think anyone should count on things, particularly when you're working for a corporation. You have to always be ready to make possibly tough decisions from one day to the other. I will say, personally speaking, I have enjoyed a lot this model of being able to both work in a place that I love working in and live where i actually want to live in i begin to I, I think that at this point i see having to relocate a bit outdated don't get me wrong i think that there's a ton of a ton of pros to to working with a team in person i think that definitely has benefits to it but again for my situation my my current responsibilities as a, and knowing that this is the environment that my wife and I want for our kids. I think that nothing compares to it. Being able to have—I don't want to—I don't want to jinx it, but have, <laughs> uh, what's the saying? Having the cake and eating it too. It, it's a bit like that. But anyway, not counting on this being the situation forever. If. Google were to say we're forcing everyone to come back to the office and for some reason I couldn't be working from Miami anymore, I think that would be a tough a tough situation to take on. I'm not sure that by default I would I would discard the possibility of remaining in Miami while figuring out something else. Yeah, I think it's tough to say, but like I said, my main priority right now is being able to facilitate our family being in an environment that we can thrive in. And I think that Miami is just that. I think that my wife and I are super happy here, and I think that it'll be great for our son.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm curious how things will evolve because uh, with all the layoffs that have been happening, places like Google included and all the tech companies, I'm curious to see which new technology hubs pop up all over the world because you basically have people learning to work remote over the course of 3 years and I don't think that everybody that got laid off is going to go back to corporate I think More a lot least, of these folks yeah I think a lot of these folks they've been working in tech for 10 years and you know, they have a pretty good nest egg so
1: Maybe they're going to start their own thing, maybe, or whatever, I think whatever it may be. I for sure think that's going to be one of the side effects of this year, of the situation with the economy, with the layoffs. I do think that are that a lot of things are going to be born this year. And if more so than not going back to a corporation, I would say definitely I think people will... Second guess, having to compromise things like where you want to live. I feel that the pandemic ended up giving us a lot of autonomy with how we want to live our lives. And I think that going back on those, backtracking on that, I think that it'll be very hard for someone. Of course, different circumstances may require different solutions for each family. but, But yeah, I think that once that you've enjoyed the autonomy, it's hard to give it back.
0: Definitely. And I think not only the autonomy, but also making just prioritizing the whole spectrum of the things in your life, because people realize that hey, it's nice now I have time to work out in the morning. There's yeah <laughs> yeah the, the, the list goes on and on. The list so, goes uh, on yeah. Oh
1: wait, I can actually have catch a nap after lunch or go. For I a can walk. actually not spend an hour in traffic. Yeah, <laughs> like time. it's. The gains of just time management are incredible. It's good for the environment. People are not commuting as much. Yeah. If you
0: are invested in commercial real estate, not good news. (laughs) Exactly. But as, as a regular person, to me, I see the things that some CEOs are saying that, hey, the remote work experiment is over. And I think like you're just better because your portfolio is in commercial real estate <laughs> exactly. you're just better because you couldn't get out of that office building lease <laughs> or something yeah because yeah because I I yeah yeah and again like I speak from a very privileged standpoint the fact that I can say thanks no thanks to any job but uh, yeah but more and more people in tech are in that position. So I find that, there's an opportunity here for people that want to break into tech, but they're also willing to relocate.
1: Yeah, I so, think that. Yeah, yeah think about the
0: recent grads, the, the folks that graduated over Zoom, spend their junior and senior years over Zoom. And now they're saying, like, you know what, I actually want to have that San Francisco experience or that Seattle experience. And I'm willing to relocate. Like, yep, those folks, I... they have a unique opportunity if they want to do it, though.
1: I agree. I agree. I think that, yeah, th- there's a, a, a barrier there that's been, I guess, unblocked for many people. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I think my, one of my ear headphones died. Can you still hear me? I hear you fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, I agree. I think that for particularly recent college grads who are in a tougher position, given how the current outlook of things, yeah, if a company really wants to have someone live... When in a sit in a location, which maybe isn't as attractive for people who are already in a fully remote job. Yeah. You know, what, what is, again, I have another, what is someone else's not appropriate job post, it'll be someone else's great opportunity for growth and learning.
0: Yeah. and, And that's why, that's why there's so many programs for people that want to migrate to the u.s and be teachers okay we're going to give you a special visa but you can only teach in rural oklahoma or something like that yeah exactly there's programs like that yeah because yeah again there's a need so you build an incentive that that can pick on that need that's why so many countries they have this new they don't nomad visas because they see that hey these people making six figures in the us maybe they want to live out of one of these cities that it's that is more walkable that it has some of the services they care about yeah maybe I, we I, can I, capture some of that money that they can bring in because those people they need to rent apartments and they eat at restaurants and they, yeah of cleaners
1: and there's a way of capturing that That for moment. sure for sure yeah i saw spain came up with that not long ago and i think maybe even portugal anyway i like a few countries in europe for sure have been doing it but yeah i think that yeah it, the world is evolving i think that definitely we are in the process of the next way of working the next wave of how work will look like a few years from now
0: and I want to be—I want to be as transparent as possible. This conversation couldn't be over unless we mention the elephant in the room, unless we talk about AI a little bit. And, <laughs> I uh, it. I, and I'm sure that people in your family are pinging you over WhatsApp. Do you see this? Do you see this? Is this true? Is this true? Because I am that person in my
1: family. You're that person in your family. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm the IT support person. Yeah,
1: family. exactly. You're the person that fixes the printer. <laughs> and the Roku and the
0: Chromecast. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm curious on, on... Do you use any AI at all in your day-to-day at your job?
1: I think that... Maybe it's not like the... Like the most impressive, I find it impressive. Maybe it's not the one that would make the news, but I use hey, a hey, lot. Hey,
0: what what looks normal for you maybe it looks really impressive for somebody else. So I don't exactly,
1: know. I feel that either auto completing or just providing things like what messages to send based on the context of a conversation thread, basically finishing sentences or suggesting, you know, how to move a conversation based on the latest response. We do have that in in internally at work. You can basically have different options for how to reply to different conversations. And I use that a lot. I feel that like the less that I have to type, the better. I feel that probably the most use that I can make of it today. But yeah, I think that it'll probably become more more predominant throughout like in the next few years. But but yeah, that's probably one of the best cases I have for it right now.
0: I'm curious, as an iOS engineer, do you worry about getting replaced or any of
1: these things? I think that there's little clarity as to how the engineering world will look like a few years from now. I do think engineers will still be required in some capacity. I just don't know what that capacity will look like or what it will be. But yeah, I think that today, I think that we're still good for the time being. And yeah, I guess it's going to be a matter of how one can adapt to those new requirements that will come with the new V2 of our roles. What Whatever we'll have to do to support this new technology.
0: And something new will come out next and we'll learn it. As well,
1: exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Uh,
0: like we didn't have Excel before and we learned it, and we didn't have Photoshop before and we learned it, and yeah, for sure, for sure. It's a new technology. Sure, there must be clever ways of integrating it with tools that we already have, but it's just a tool. It's just a tool. It's. I saw this. I saw this. This tweet the other day, and I loved it because it said that AI is not going to replace us. Customers will have to ask the AI exactly what they mean, <laughs> in order for AI to replace us. And we know how hard that is for customers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And customers in the broadest sense, when
1: somebody's asking you for something, you do need that back and forth. You need, you for, for sure. Yeah. I. But like I said, I think that it's. I, th- I think that predicting what things will look like even, I don't know, between three and five years from now, like, I I think that there's just going to be uh, new challenges and new ways of going about your job. Yeah. We'll all have to adapt. I'm not sure that by default jobs that you may think, you know, are by default just going to be disappearing. Maybe they're just going to be evolving into something completely different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we are engineers. We learn how to learn.
1: Exactly. And
0: we'll adapt. And I think that for the people that listen to this, that a lot of them are immigrants or are sons and daughters of immigrants, and they have this built-in adaptability. So I think that as a culture, I think we have some advantage in that sense. You know, like the whole when you drop a cat the cat falls standing up thing I, so I think we have that built-in immigrant mentality that will adjust the the vibes are off here okay let's get on a boat somewhere else <laughs> for sure for sure yeah so if you were in the market looking for a job at a place like Google, let's say working in what you do as an iOS developer, and you wanted to break into Google as a, as an intern, as a full-time employee, with what you know now, how would you go about it? How would you, what strategy would you adopt in your job search?
1: I Again, that I think that there's a few layers to that question, but Mm -hmm. I think preparation is key. I think that there there's one saying that I like a lot, which is over prepare and then follow along. Like then you see whatever you do, but over be like do a good job at preparing. So I think that nothing will beat being very having a very honed interviewing skill and i guess people that have already interviewed for jobs in tech will know what i mean but i feel that you can think that you know how to write up an algorithm you can think that you can know how to talk big o but being in a classroom setting with a whiteboard and a 45 minute timer and having to do something for someone else in order to get that job that's a whole different game like i feel that a lot of incredible engineers i think crack under that pressure and it's a it's an intense experience so i feel that if i were to be in that spot right now again preparation is key and from then on i think that it I don't think people talk enough about the state of mind that you should have when going into these spaces, when going out and interviewing. I feel that the more that you can reach a state of just being one, being, (laughs) be like water, like that saying, being, trying to be in that state of trusting in yourself. And I guess thinking that if it's not this, it'll be the next thing, not thinking of this job this prospect of a job as the soul if it's not this then life is over then i think that that helps a lot i think that arriving with that built-up confidence and that built-up trust does a lot i feel that goes a super long way and going back to what i said at the beginning i feel that authenticity is key as well i think that you know it's important that you can prove to a to a prospect employer that you have the capacities and the motivation to to perform the job but i think it's also very important for you to know that this job aligns with you so if you are authentically Mm -hmm. yourself you'll be able to tell from the beginning whether the culture and the vibe of the place aligns with you as well
0: right make sure you're playing the right game and if, yeah. you a, if you're an extroverted person and you love talking to people and listening to people, you're probably not going to be a very good programmer. <laughs> if you don't enjoy being by yourself hours on end, solving wow, that and, and that all the problems. Also... Let me take that back. You You might be a good
1: programmer, but I'm not sure you're going to be happy. Yeah. And like thinking about the environment, the the typical environment you're going to encounter on any said industry you're interviewing for or company or organization or whatever. If you're interviewing in a place where people are by like the the, what's the word? The stereotype is that people are a certain way and that certain way that, you know, is not going to click with you. Then you're putting yourself in a tough position because you are trying to commit. You're committing to a career in a place that you know you're not gonna be super aligned with.
0: Yeah, if you don't like being at work at eight in the morning, don't apply for banking jobs. Exactly. <laughs> don't,
1: don't apply. At the,
0: you don't <laughs> like wearing ties? Don't <laughs> apply for Goldman Sachs. <laughs> Basically. It, so. Exactly. Yeah, I think yeah, those are questions that you have to answer first before before you dive into the actual coding prep and all that
1: yes um, for sure
0: just to give people some context how long did you study for your google interview like how long do you prepare for more or less
1: like doing lead code and all these things so it was a few months i and i didn't start interviewing for a while so i think that total prep time may have been around possibly six months that's not to say that you need to practice for six months before for sure getting a job i think that i will say my recommendations if you're entering this world of coding interviews something that also people don't talk as much about or maybe isn't as suggested or as often as i think it should be is one mock interviews with friends of yours who are in the industry and if you don't have the privilege of having people in the industry finding a way to to do a mock interview i think that Practicing, again, going back to how intense the setting is, practicing that that skill, that muscle helps a lot. And I would say if you have also the privilege of practicing for that interview while still having a job, Going about your, it's like starting out your day with doing maybe one or two lead code problems or system design problem, just as a part of your morning routine, and then going on about your the rest of your day. It's a really efficient and off-pressure way to go about having that preparation in a very natural way. Like it's just going to be part of your day-to-day routine. If you are in a situation where you're Studying eight hours, no, I don't know if eight hours, but however many hours a day, pushing every day, I think that builds up to that anxiety of I I really need to get a job in X company and I like this is my dream company. And I feel that that state of mind is double-edged, is a double-edged sword because yes, you can use it to have that motivation and to have the discipline of preparing and studying, but I think that it can also get the best of you come interview time.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of the GRE, the graduate school exam that they recommended that you actually schedule your date, your test date, six weeks in the future when you're doing the the prep courses, because they found out that that six week window is when you can go deep, maximize the effort, minimize the effort and maximize the results. Yeah. Because, again, your brain is not meant to be under stress. Constantly. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, doing a one coding problem first thing in the morning, train your brain, train train your mind to do it. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah. drink and your and coffee
0: it, while doing lead code. So exactly. The first, exactly. the first coffee of the day, so you just associate them, so you actually yeah. start enjoying it. <laughs>
1: yeah for sure i think that the idea is that by the time that you are in a whiteboard going about a problem or an interview question you are feeling as naturally as possible that's uh, as natural an environment as it can be
0: that's fantastic Luis. thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us i really appreciate it anything else you wanted to share with us
1: no again i want to reiterate, Hugo, I'm very thankful for the invitation. Happy to collaborate. And yeah, I love what you're doing. I love the community you're building. And uh, yeah, it's going to help a lot of people.
0: Thank you so much. And uh, if you want to connect with Luis, his LinkedIn is in the show notes. And if you want to connect with me, my information is there as well. So thank you so much, Luis. Talk to you soon. See ya, Hugo.